Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam podcast Hurdle series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Gaza and Palestine. Amen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take away all of their difficulties. We ask Allah to accept those who have passed away as shuhada. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the oppression of the oppressor. Ya Arhamar Rahimin. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this gathering a gathering by which we increase our knowledge of the deen. And, and, and we increase our knowledge of our own faith and our own iman. Uh, the book that we are studying, Minhajul Abidin by Imam Ghazali rahimahullah, is a book about how to be a true servant of Allah. How to be on the path of ibadah. Imam Ghazali has written about different things that will come on that path that will stop you. And they will take away your ability to worship Allah. The premise, the beginning of the entire discussion is that وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّةِ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That the Qur'an tells us that the sole purpose of God creating us is so that we can be in the worship of God. We should be, be in His worship. But Imam Ghazali says, you know, there are so many things that pop up. There are so many things that get in the way that hinder us. Um, and he calls those uqba um, or hurdles or valleys that get in the way. And so last week we began what he calls the fourth valley or the fourth hurdle. And he said that you have to understand in order to truly worship God and early to truly worship Allah as he needs to be worshiped, your mind has to be free. Your mind has to be free. It can't be mashghul. Because anything filled with something cannot be filled with anything else. And your heart is only created to be filled with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything else is shughal. It's just shughal. So the idea, and this is the most beautiful thing about this deen, and, and I'm speaking to everyone, but especially those in our audience who are not even Muslim yet, the beautiful thing about this deen is that as a person, the beautiful thing about this deen is that as a person um, opens their heart and their life for ibadah and worship of God, what happens is you find a clarity of thought and a peace of mind. And if you're listening right now and you're like, but, but I don't feel that, Inshallah ta'ala, the lesson we had last week and the lesson we have this week will bring more clarity. Let's look back at last week. Last week we began this discussion on a concept in, in Islam called tawakkul. And the Arabic word tawakkul means complete reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we spoke in detail and detail and detail about the concept of tawakkul. And I just want to share one more thing about the concept of truly depending upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that if you want to truly reach the level of true reliance on God, then he says you need to think of two things. And I want you to write this down and remember it. He says the first thing, and ta'lam Allah ta'ala fi kitabihi. He says the first thing that you have to believe in your heart, you have to know with a surety, just as, as, as much as you know anything in life, you have to know with a surety this next thing, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has guaranteed your livelihood for you. Livelihood, y'all, is not just money, your apartment, your this, your house. Your, livelihood is everything and everyone that you will be with in your life and enjoy in your life. Like, it, meaning it's written for you and it's guaranteed to reach you. And this is why last week I mentioned the narration that your rizq or livelihood chases after you the same way death chases after you. So he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised you, dhamina, promised you your livelihood. And he has taken that upon himself. Now he's about to get deep on us. Listen to what he says. He says, What do you say about this situation? What do you say about this situation? If one of the kings or queens of this world, if they promised you, that tonight, come to the palace. 
Come to the, I don't even want to name these places, bro. Whatever. Come to whatever place of royalty. And uh, I will feed you tonight. You are my guest tonight. And you, you in your heart, you have a good opinion of this person. You have no reason to believe they would not hold their promise. He's a true person. He's not going to lie. This king called me to his place, invited me for dinner. He says, he says forget a king. If a normal person you met in the masjid was like, yo, Haytham, alaikum, come to my house for dinner tonight. I got you. I got you. I'll feed you tonight. You're on me. He says, uh, he says, Alasta tathiqu biwadi. Would you not trust in that promise? Would you not be like, yo, we good for dinner tonight? Hit up. Why is he like, yo, we ain't even got to go to clucking, yo. We <laughs> yo, my man Haytham hit me up. We going to his house. Are you going to like low-key plot? Like just in case his food ain't good. Like, yo, wifey, make sure you cook something. <laughs> no, you're, gonna, you're going to say, no, we're good for dinner tonight. We're good. Everything's fine. Why? Oh, because Abdullah told me, come to his house. Abdullah's a good man. He goes, think about that for a moment. He says, فَمَالَكْ so what's wrong with you? And I want you to think about this. In my, I thought about this myself. He said, فَمَالَكَ So what's wrong with you, Mikael? Allah made that promise for you. Allah made that promise for you. But it's like we're showing up at someone's house with a bag of takeout. And the person's like, yo, I told you to come and I'd feed you. But you're like, yeah, I didn't know if you would really bring come through. So I just brought some grub with me just in case. Oh, we have food? Okay, let me leave this. So he says, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised you, guaranteed you your livelihood. And, and, and in fact, he swore oaths in the Quran, one after the next, that I got you, I got you, I got you. And he says, this is why. Last week we talked about tawakkul, trust in Allah, and we're talking about it again. But the thing is like, Shaykh, we talked about this last week. But here's the deal. He says, He goes, in reality, this concept of tawakkul, this concept of reliance on God, this has a deep relationship with your iman, your faith. What do I mean by that? He says, you know, if I, if I showed up at that person's house with some food, Low-key, that person would, would, be, would be hot. Be like, really? Is that what you thought of me? Like, I gave you my word. I asked you to come. Is your assumption of me that I would not keep my word to you? And in fact, that invitation and that promise, due to your lack of reliance and trust on the promise, may end up breaking and severing the relationship. Now, I think some of you have come to the conclusion that I want you to, which is our lack of reliance on God has the, has the potential of severing that relationship because it shows we don't trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the Quran says, That if you truly believe, then trust. I'll give an example. So the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, he was, um, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says, ishtadda waj'u Rasulullah. He started to get more and more sick. This was right before he was passing away. Ishtadda waj'u. He started to get sick. Waj'u. And uh, she says that there were like seven dinar gold coins in the house. So he called me. He said, ya Aisha. What happened with that money, that, those 10 gold coins that were in the house, what happened? She says, I said to the Rasul, I have them, they're with me. So the Rasul, he looked at her and he's getting close. There's a, less than a week away from his passing away. He says, give it away in sadaqah, please. 
So she says, I got busy. He was sick. I'm taking care of him. I got busy. And a little time passed. And he calls me again. He says, Ya Aisha, oh beloved, Habibti, what happened with those 10 dinar, those 10 gold coins? She says, they're in. I, I still have them. I'm sorry. He said, please bring them to me. Please bring them to me. And she brought them and he began to put them in his hand. And then when he put them in his hand, he began to look at them. And he said these words. He said, He says, it's hard to really grasp, y'all, but inshallah, we'll get it. He says, he says, what does it show of my thinking of God if I die still holding on to these things? What it, what it means is, what it means is, God promised me, but I'm holding on. It's like the buffet. You know, you like you go to a hotel, they got the buffet in the morning and the evening. And some of y'all be taking the morning food and keeping it to the evening. <laughs> And the people at the hotel like, we got you for evening. You're like, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be closed or something. And they're like, no, we got you. So the Rasul listen, it, it, he's saying, if I die and I'm still holding on to this, holding on, holding on, what does this show about my relationship with God? My relationship with Allah should be that you say it, I trust, I trust, I trust, I trust. So he said, please get rid of this because I want to leave with nothing in my hand. Why? Because I want Allah to realize that I always believe this trust and what was in my hand was not stronger to me than what was in his promise. His promise is what I truly relied on, not what's in my hand. So subhanAllah, he says, he says, just think for a moment. If somebody invited you, how you would trust that they would give you for tonight, but for some reason, we can't trust. And the last thing he says, and we'll move on to the next topic. He says, so you have to know that God has taken the responsibility, promised you risk, livelihood. And number two, number two, he says, you gotta know in the core of your heart that livelihood has already been split up, y'all. Livelihood is already split up. What you're getting in this life, suck it at Bob. Close the, close the back door if you can, behind you. Like we have to understand that livelihood is maqsoom. What maqsoom means is it's already divided up. And now all we're doing, subhanAllah, all we're doing right now is Allah is saying, what will you do to get it? Are you going to use haram or use halal to get what's already yours? Mm. You know, I was, and I want you to understand how this affects you. I was making like, I don't know y'all, after like this, uh, all these Yemeni tea spots popped up. <laughs> I got hooked on Adeni Shai, yo. The Yemenis, I love y'all, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yemeni are special people, even politically. But anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, back to the point. Um, I got hooked on this Yemeni Shai, right? And so, you know, I'm trying to clear my mind for halakha, go over some notes, whatever, and, uh, you know, you know you, how you put the tea in the water, right? it's the loose tea, right? So it's in the thing, and then, you know, you're going to pour it into your cup, so you have the little strainer, right? You got the strainer. So I strained it, right? And uh, it all strained into the cup. And then I had this bright idea. It was a really dumb idea, but it was a bright idea at the moment. I was like, well, why don't I put the tea back in, and it'll sink to the bottom, and I get, it'll, I'll get the more, like, flavor, Okay? Right? So I flip it over and it all splashes, right? This is dumb, it was really dumb. But the moment it splashed and all that tea came out of the cup, I immediately remembered that those drops of tea, there were no way for me to consume them. It was, how can I get upset at missing something that wasn't written for me? But, but, you, but see, the moment is, we operate on a different plane of existence. The moment it spilled, I was like, I, got, I was mad because I got to clean. <laughs> but I wasn't mad because it spilled. Because the moment it spilled, I was like, those drops weren't written my name on them. So it was impossible for me. Something would have happened whereby those drops never get in my stomach and nurture my body. 
So, so he says, he says, he says, when you know this is true, when you know this is true, that it, it won't change. I talked last week about your siblings stealing your food real quick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your food. <laughs> but don't use that, yo. <laughs> he goes, so why are we so worried? All I'm trying to say is the believer, we never stop working. But we, we never worry. We always work hard. That's the sunnah of the Rasul. Alayhi salatu wassalam. We work hard because that's his sunnah. But then we detach and realize that everything is written. So then he goes, listen, one more thing. He says, he says, uh, He goes, my teacher used to say, In the food that is written for you to eat or chew, you will eat. So he says, he says, so eat with honor. Don't eat with this. Don't eat with meekness and like lowness. What he means is like, when you eat, you realize. And when you receive, you realize, this is what God wrote for me. Uh, you know, I was thinking like, how do I explain this? I was thinking, uh, you know, when you at somebody else's house and it's like a lot of food. You know, like the auto is taking care of you, you know what I mean? And you, the food is there, but you don't eat like you eat. Mm-hmm. Because it's somebody else's food. If that same meal was at your home, oh man. <laughs> Just me, wifey, and the kids, oh man. You ate with Izzah, you're like, mashallah. But when it's somebody else's food, you eat in a different way. So he says, when you realize that your risk is your risk, your boss ain't doing you a favor paying you. That had to come to you. That had to come to you. He's just the means. She's just the means by which God is bringing that risk to you. Mm. So, uh, so, so that's our lesson here. Uh, Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, you know, he says one last thing that I thought was beautiful to say. He says, uh, you know, as for the one who dies hungry, he says, La, they didn't die out of hunger. They died because their time of death came. Just the same way a person that's full can die too. You die with an empty stomach, you die with a full stomach. It was because your time came. That was the time that was written for that person. He says, I'm going to end this and we'll go to the next topic. He says, perhaps you're going to say, Sheikh Ghazali, you've spoken so much on this topic of tawakkul. And he says, I tell you that I should have wrote so much more. This is very little compared to what we really need because this has to do directly with our faith in God. Remember, everything we do communicates a relationship. Everything we do communicates a relationship of love. The moment you find yourself trusting in God, you're telling him in his love language, I love you. I believe in you and love you and trust you. And the moment you start to doubt him, I don't know. That's communicating something to someone. That's communicating something. So have that deep inside that we're communicating to Allah. And this is what I last thing I'm going to say and we'll move forward. There are people living, people living this reality. What's the reality? Trusting in Allah. Trusting in Allah. People are living this reality right now that had less than us, have more taken away from them than we, and have more iman than us. Had less, have more taken away, but for some reason their iman is way higher than mine and yours. Had less, more taken away Iman is stronger. The more taken away, the more they say, we got Allah. And me and you are doubting Allah. But you have more and have had less taken away. Don't let it be that Allah has to take away from you for you to trust. Don't let that be the case. 
right now from this moment, trust in Allah. Let's move on to the next thing. This deen is beautiful. This deen is beautiful. Say to yourself, Alhamdulillah li ni'mat al-Islam. Alhamdulillah, Allah made me a Muslim. Why? Because we're learning now that in order for you to truly worship God, you need freedom of thought. You need clarity of heart. And he said the first place that you're going to get worries and that clarity will disappear is your concern for your livelihood. But we have a solution to that. Ar-Razaq. 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 Before I go forward, there's one more thing I want to share with y'all. One of my teachers, he said it this way. He said uh, that when you, when you want to trust someone, we look for three qualities. This is actually Imam Ghazali. I need a lawyer. I, did, I don't really need one. This is like, how do you say? <laughs> like, I don't know, Shay, what's up? <laughs> Someone caught a case, right? And now they need a muhami, they need a wakil. Hasbunallah wa ni'man wakil. They need a wakil, they need a, someone to defend. Imam Ghazali says, you're going to look for three qualities. And whenever you find these three qualities, You'll trust on that, 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 that lawyer. He says, quality number one, knowledgeable. Knows the law inside out. Number two, the person has uh, the ability, not just book knowledge, but the ability to, to, to articulate, the ability to prove a point, the ability. One is knowledge, one is ability. And last but not least, what you need, you want to make sure that person has concern for you, mm-hmm. love for you. Smart. Ability, but don't care for me? Ah, I can't trust you. I can't hire you. Now listen to this. If you in this room find yourself worried about your livelihood, livelihood is not money. It's everything. It's everything. If you find yourself right now worried, it's because you, and we can become better, you doubt Allah in one of these three things. Is he knowledgeable? Does he know your state? Alim, Khabir. If, if, if you doubt, you got to remember these names. Alim, Khabir. All knower, all, all, all aware. Ability, Al-Qadir, Al-Qahar. And here's the one that I think a lot of us struggle with. Does he love me though? Rabbul Alameen loves me? Little old Mikael, Allah loves me. Out of all I've done, Allah, the Prophet was one day walking with the Sahaba, coming from a battle, and there was a mother that was from like just from the neighboring villages because the army came through and the families got separated. So there was a mother running around looking for her child. And this speaks so much differently now. A mother running around looking for her child. And finally, and the prophet is watching this whole thing. And finally the mother finds the, the child and she picks it up. And, and, and the child was young. The sahaba, they said they could see the milk covering, staining her shirt. Because she was breastfeeding the child. So she's at this state of complete love for this child. And she finds the child and she picks up the child and she hugs the child. And the prophet says, look, look, would you ever think that this mother will throw this child in a fire? The Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, never. He says, Allah loves you more than that. Allah loves you more than, I don't care how bad you think you are, how evil you think you are, how sinful you think you are. The biggest mistake shaitan does to you is make you feel like God doesn't love you. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, but the thing you doubt is how much he loves you. And the more you believe God loves you, the more Shaytan gets upset. It's not that we deserve his love, it's just that who he is. He's Kareem. And the moment you think you don't deserve it, just remember Kareem. Kareem means the one who gives to those who don't deserve. You fit the equation perfectly. You fit the equation perfectly. So if you find yourself doubting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
then realize and reflect on, I know he knows everything. I know he can do everything. But this last thing, I know he loves me. And I know he loves me because he's making me say, I love him right now. And that's only his blessing. I said this dean is beautiful. And the reason why this dean is beautiful is because psychologically, in every way, it, it, it puts you in the right place. Imam Ghazali said, in order to truly worship, you need to remove the distractions. And he said the first one was, your distraction of worrying about your risk. Man, when am I going to get married? Yo, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? When am I... Yo, we stress. I know it. But we've talked about how to get over that. You have to trust. You have to trust. I'll just say one thing before we go forward. I'm sorry for the digressions. It's a test. You'll look back from this test a year or two years from now, after you get the gig, after you get married, after you get the house, you'll look back and you'll be like, man, I was tripping. <laughs> and the angel's like, yup. Because <laughs> they already see what's coming this year. And they're like, yo, brush, chill. Why you had to go to haram to get it? It was coming anyway, halal. It was coming anyway, halal. But you had to go to haram. Slow down, relax, it's coming. On its time, not your time. So I said that it clear. Imam Ghazali says the first thing that bothers is your livelihood, how, where it's gonna come. But the next thing, the next worries that come are not livelihood. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, al-aridathani, the second hindrance that busies or preoccupies your mind. Al-akhtar wa iradatuha wa kusuduha. He says, is the, uh, your worries regarding the choices that you have to make in life. The choices that you have to make in life. Imam Ghazali here is talking about something deep. He's saying that some of us, we can't worship God as we should because we keep thinking over and over again about the choices that we have to make. Should I take the job? Should I not? Should I reply yes to that engagement or not? Should I, what should I do? Should I buy that? Should I not? Those worries about choices are distracting us from worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The true believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to not busy themselves with the worries because they practice a quality that we'll talk about right now in Arabic. The word is tafweeb. Wa ufawwibu amiri ilallah. Tafweeb means, I'm going to take back from my jahiliyyah, let go and let God. <laughs> Y'all don't know about that. <laughs> they don't know about that. The converts in the room like, oh. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> nah. So, let go and let God. Tafweeb, the concept of tafweeb is to let go. To let go. وَأُفَوِّذُ أَمَدِئِدَ Allah. Imam Ghazali, he tells us this. What is tafweed? What is this concept of letting go? What is this concept of, of letting Allah regarding my choices? Listen to what he says. He says, Tafweed or letting go is to, to, to allow tarqul ikhtiyar, to leave your choice in matters that you're unsure of. And leaving it to allow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take things the way He knows that is good. This is a deep one. We'll talk about this. What does He mean here? He says, here's the deal there's three things. There's choices that we have to make in which we know 100% sure it's only good. All of the righteous stuff, like we know it's good. Should I pray? Should I not pray? Should I pay my zakat? Should I not? Should I go to the masjid? Should I? Those choices we know for sure. He says there's areas of life that we know for sure there's khair there. He says in this area there's no tough weed. You just do it. And there's not even a worry. Should I do it? I just do it. Then he says there's another category of areas. There's another type of decisions we have to make in areas that we know for sure are harmful. They're bad for us. Certain company we keep, certain places we go, certain actions we do. 
Whether we fall into them or not, we know they're wrong. There's no decision-making process. The problem is my willpower not to do it. But the problem, the, the place we're talking about now, are the areas in which I don't know if it's good for me or not good for me. And a lot of us, some of you in this room don't have this problem. You make a decision, you're like, yeah, whatever, that's it. We're going forward. But a lot of us in this room, we can't make decisions because we don't know whether there's good or bad in that. And so Imam Ghazali, he says, listen to this. He says, الثالث, the third area, muradun la ta'lamu yaqeena. These are things that you don't know for sure. Anna laka fihi salahin aw fasadin. I don't know if I say yes to this proposal, if it's going to be good for me or bad for me. I don't know if I say yes to this job, if it's going to be good for me or bad for me. I just don't know. He says in this category of situations in life, in this area right here is where you practice a quality of letting go. Wow. Let go? Why would I let go? I need to try to figure it out more. La, listen to what he says. He goes all these, you know, doing extra acts of goodness, mubahat, things that there's no ruling about you. You could do it if you want or not to. This is the things that you have to leave to God. Here's what you have to do. Do not Do not set your heart on it that I'm doing this for sure. But rather, you always have to say, Inshallah. But hold up, let's talk about this. He says, I intend to go to this school. I intend to take this job. What are you doing with your life next year? Oh, I'm, I'm, taking this, I'm getting this job. What are you doing? What are, like, what decision, what path in life are you taking? These are the things that bother a lot of us. He says, you never ever say bil qata'i. The word qata' means like for sure. You never ever say for sure, I'm doing this. I'm marrying that person. I am getting that job. I am going to that school. Except if you do, inshallah. But why? I want you to understand psychologically what inshallah actually means. When we say inshallah, we normally, I say to Akram, Akram's like, yo, you wanna go to, you going to breakfast with us tomorrow? I'm like, inshallah. I say to him, if God wills. In reality, inshallah is not between me and him, it's between me and Allah. Whenever he asks me if I'm going to breakfast, I'm not really talking to him. I go, yeah, check this. Yeah, I'm coming. Ya Allah, if it's good for me, I wanna go. If it's not good for me, I don't even wanna go. Mm -hmm. See, inshallah means, this is gonna sound extreme, and I know y'all gonna come up to me after and be like, well, well what about? Inshallah means, <laughs> inshallah means, and I don't even, I'm just gonna say it. Inshallah means, Ya Allah, I don't, I don't care. I just want what's good for me. Let me say that again. Because, because here's the deal. Imam Ghazali says, the reason why decisions are so hard is because me and you are jahil. We don't know the outcome of things. So because we don't know the outcome of things, we sit there and stress, should I, should I not? Is it gonna be good for me, is it not? And I can't even base it on my feelings because There you go. The, here's the, I was going over this and I wanted to say this. The foundation of servitude to God is I don't know. I don't know. The foundation of servitude to God is I don't really know what's good for me. I don't really know what's good for me. And because I don't know, do I stop working? No. But what do I do? I put my true trust, not trust, my true dependence on whatever God wants for me is good. I'm taking that job, inshallah. When I say inshallah right there, I want everyone from this point on, your inshallah doesn't mean, yeah, I'm doing it. It literally means, oh Allah, if this is not good for me, I don't want to do it. And oh Allah, if it is good for me, facilitate it for me. He says, the moment you've done that, you will find peace. Why find peace? He says, because you, you freed yourself and placed it on Allah. 
you've, you, you put it back on Allah. You've taken the burden and the stress off. And you put it back to Allah. I, I don't know. You only feel burnt out because you're putting too much on your plate. You gotta let go. So he says, this is what it means. He says, you know, sometimes in Arabic, a lot of scholars, what they do is that they wanna teach you what one thing is, they teach you about the opposite. Because they say in Arabic, that you know things by looking at their opposite. You know, you, you know oppression, when you, when you see it, justice. You know what darkness is because you've seen light before. Right? So the opposite of this concept of tafweed is an Arabic, Arabic word called tama. And in this context, tama is when you've set your heart on something and that's the only thing that you want. That's it. The mu'min is never like that because of one reality. Perhaps you want something, you desire something, and it isn't good for you. So what he's teaching us here is deep. He says, this, this desire for something that it only can be this, this is it. He says, this is dangerous because the Prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, He says, beware of, of, of setting your heart on something that I have to get that and nothing else. Because this will bring you to clear, clear poverty. Clear poverty. What he means by faqr? This state of need. If you want to be have that concept of I'm good, I'm without need, it's when you've taken your heart away from the thing and placed the heart with God wherever Allah wants you to receive from. Mm. But the moment you connect your heart to one specific course of route, he says you'll find yourself in the place of faqr. He says, so he's explaining this concept and Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, there are two things that you will gain when you start to let go of things, when you start to just say, inshallah. And I, and I want to give an example because a lot of us are indecisive. And, and I think what you'll realize is with this, that indecisiveness is gone. I want to share something with you from the seerah. Um, in the battle of Uhud, we got news as Muslims that this whole army was coming to attack the Muslims. It was right after the battle of Badr. And the, 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 the kuffar of the disbelievers of Quraysh, they wanted to get revenge. And so they were attacking Medina with everything they had. And it's a huge army coming to attack. And the Prophet finds out and he sits with the companions and he's like, what do y'all wanna do? Should we go out and fight? Or should we stay back in Medina and do it uh, in the alleyways? This, I'm talking about Sira right now. I'm talking about Sira right now. Should we do it out? Should we go out into the open desert? Or should we stay home and defend in the alleyways? And so some of the elders, the elders, they were like, nah, in the alleyways. We'll handle them there. Okay? And uh, the, the youngsters. They were like, they're like, no, we miss Badr. We want to go out and fight. So we get the reward of leaving the city. So they all decided. And then the prophet, it was, it was, it was Lohar time. The prophet saw so him, he went into his house and, 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 and Aisha helps him get ready for battle. He gets his gear on, his helmet on, gets everything on. And he come, now while he's in the house, see the Sahaba, they're not like the prophet so him in this way. The Sahaba start talking to each other. They were like, yo, maybe we forced him into something he didn't want to do. Maybe we forced him into a decision that wasn't the best decision. And this is me and you. We have two routes to take and we never make a decision. Change a major 30 times. Because maybe that's good for me now. IT, this, that, med, this, that. You just keep switching it up. Been in school for like 10 years. You can't make a decision. The Sahaba, they were like, what do we do? Sorry about it, right? <laughs> See, a lot of y'all took that serious real quick. <laughs> I tell you, it's not good. Dr. Sub, I don't know, man. Maybe. So, so the Prophet said them, the Sahaba, they start to debate. They said, y'all, maybe we forced him to do something that wasn't good. And the Prophet said them, he came out, he came out and he had his armor on. Oh, like, 
I mean, just imagine that. He came out ready. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, maybe we forced you, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, maybe we forced you. We're, we don't mind changing our decision. And the Prophet Sallallahu he said, no. Once I put on armor, once a prophet puts on armor, it doesn't end until the sword decides. That's it. Meaning, and then the verses are, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Do mashwara, talk to people. But when you make a decision, stick to it. Stick to it. There will be barakah in it. And now what I want us to understand is I want to come back to this concept of inshallah. Because what he's teaching us is, I think all of us say inshallah like left and right. I'll be saying it to non-Muslims. <laughs> you know how that is, man. I be Muslims all day. So then I just go to the gym. Dude be like, yeah, you want to go next? I'm like, yeah, inshallah. He's like, huh? Looking at me all funny. I'm like, uh, you know, quickly to change the topic real quick. So... Uh, happens too much So we say inshallah But we've lost the meaning And I really want us to understand What it means Because if you said it with meaning Then your heart never actually gets attached To any one decision That's what I'm trying to see that, That's the point right there It's when I say Are you going for that job? Yeah inshallah I want that job Inshallah I'm going for that job And that inshallah in your mind means Pause Let me think Ya Allah if this is good, give it to me. If it's not, I don't even want it. Now my heart has nothing to do with that thing. Now my heart is with Allah. If it doesn't come, I'm like, Alhamdulillah. Let's take a look at the dua for istikhara. The Rasul he taught us a, a dua that unfortunately we only make like one time in life. <laughs> the dua for istikhara. Right? And, 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 and istikhara should be in everything. In every decision we make, the Prophet is like, do istikhara, ask Allah. Istikhara means ask Allah for khayr. And if we look at what the words are, the words are praising Allah, recognizing His knowledge, because we're jahil to the outcomes. We're ignorant to the outcomes. And then it's, it, it goes on to saying, Oh Allah, in kunta ta'alamu, anna hadhan amr khayrun li, fi dini wa ma'ashi wa aqibita amri. Oh Allah, if you know this situation, this job, this whatever, to be good for me. This house, choosing a house, choosing an apartment, all of that. If you know this to be good for me in my deen, in my dunya, in my final outcome, if this is good, write it for me and make it easy. But if you know, Ya Allah, that this thing is, is bad for me, then oh Allah, push it away from me and push me away from it. How many times a door closes in your face only if you knew that you were being saved by something from the other side of that. You thought that was, a, that was a door closing. That was God saving you. And many times it's a door that we think is good. Most of the time it's a door we think is good. Imam Ghazali says, there are two reasons why you must develop this ability to let go. And by let go, it means, Ya Allah, only if it's good, I want it. Otherwise, I don't want it. I made a decision, but I'm not stressing. Why am I not stressing? Because I put it in your hands, Allah. He says two things. He says, when you develop this quality, you will automatically get what's called at this time. At this time, you made a decision and tamanina just means tranquility will come. He says, Listen to what he says. Indeed, the reality of affairs in our lives, they're, 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 they're difficult. They're unknown. We don't know where the good lies and where the bad lies. Our heart is just jumping all around. Should I, should I not? What should I do? And you can't worship Allah when your heart is doing that. La tadri, we don't know where good is. When you hand it over to God, when you just say, Ya Allah, I don't know. Whatever is good, make that easy for me. And a lot of people, they want to know, how do I know my istikhara worked? I know that if I had a Q&A right now, 80% of the question is going to be like, how do I know? The scholars say it's simple. You just asked Allah, Oh Allah, 
If this is bad for me, take it away from me and take me away from it. So the, the concept is, if your heart is still going in that direction, that is the, that is the answer of the istikhara. That is the answer of the istikhara, that your heart is still going. But if you wake up and, and, and you don't have to see a dream. <laughs> Why does everyone wait for a dream? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Dr. Sub, they think they're Oliya. Everyone's like, Sheikh, I didn't see a dream. You know, it's a funny, I don't want to get sidetracked, but when the, when the Prophet Sallallahu was marrying Aisha, he saw a dream that, that she was covered and someone brought her towards him and he looked and it was her. Some of y'all expected that. <laughs> Literally. La. It is not that you're, sometimes you will, mashallah. If you get that much clarity, I need to come see you. <laughs> so, but, but how do we know? Seriously, the scholars say, the way we know that istikhara is where our heart inclines to after. But I think the secret of istikhara happens regardless of the choice. The secret is that Allah made us detach from the outcome. That's the secret to the Islamic, like, like the secret of our peace of mind. Look, when the Prophet ﷺ, let me finish the battle of Uhud. The Prophet ﷺ came out. He's in his armor. They're all, the Sahaba are like, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should. The Prophet's like, we're going. We already made the decision. Guess what? Things got rough in Uhud. People died. Hamza, Hamza radiallahu died. But the choice, we already gave it to Allah. So whatever happened was meant to happen and it's good for us. Uhud is a perfect example because it wasn't Ahzab. It, it turned out pretty bad. Bad in our terms. But there was deeper good that Allah wanted from that moment. So Uhud is a perfect example. So he says, he says, subhanAllah, it's beautiful. You don't have to see a dream. It's where your heart inclines. But the beauty of this concept is I don't even really care which way it goes. Why don't you care? Because I really don't know what was good for me. What do you mean you don't know what was good for me? Yeah, I think this is good, but Loki, I don't know. So what do you do? I just turn it to Allah. So does that mean what's best is going to happen? Yeah, I trust in Allah. Look what he says. This tranquility, raha fil waqt. This brings a raha. What's raha? Comfort. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. Otherwise, you'll be mutahayir, constantly thinking, should I have done that? Should I have done that? La. Raha. So then he says, we'll wrap up, inshallah ta'ala. It's beautiful. Then he says, the second reason why you need to, uh, why you need to have this concept of turning it over to Allah. He says, istiqbal. So that in the future, your affairs come out and turn out good. He says, because How many evil things come in the form of good? How many evil things come in the clothing of goodness? And how many poisons come in the form of honey? We don't know. Today's conclusion, today what we learn is that the peace of mind needed for ibadah first and foremost lies in realizing let me trust Allah for my livelihood. And number two, let me stop taking the burden of my decisions on me and put it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With every decision I turn to Allah, oh Allah, if it is good, give it. If it ain't, push it away. And from that moment, you can trust that you've made the best decision. He says, um, and we'll wrap this up. Um, he explains a few more things and he goes into the areas that we have to have tafweed in. Um, and the last thing he says about tafweed is, uh, he says something similar to what we said earlier, uh, which was, Ta'lam an al-ikhtiyar, he basically says that you have to realize that you don't know and that 
he says the same thing about uh, realizing that uh, he gives the example of the lawyer basically that we gave earlier which is realizing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving the situation back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so um, here it is right here I'm sorry he says we'll end with this what would you say if somebody said to you what would you say if somebody said, I'll take care of your affairs. I'll take care of your issues. I'll take care of whatever your situation, I got you on that. Let me take care of your stuff. And you just do your stuff. You busy yourself with your stuff. And you know this person is intelligent. He knows his stuff. You know he's intelligent. And he's able too. He's not just knowledgeable, but he's able. And he's the most merciful. He loves you. Would you not take advantage of this? Would you not take advantage of this? I mean, a lot of us in this room, we understand the importance of having a, someone invest your funds. You don't, you don't know nothing about money. You ain't got nothing. You don't. So what do, what do people in this society do? They give it to an investor. They say, you, you know this stuff. I don't. And, and this is what he's trying to say. But he's like, that person is an insan. That's a human being. He goes, if you know this is Allah who has knowledge and compassion for you and ability, and this person says, let me take care of it, and you busy yourself with your stuff, Ibadah, worship of Allah, clarity of mind. He says, And then if that person who's uh, handling your affairs, they choose something that you don't know whether it's good or not, are you going to get worried? What's he going to say? He's like, let me do what I do. You're like, yeah, he's good. You would relax and be like, no, he knows what he's doing. Because you'll know in your heart that this person is only going to do what's best for your interests. He goes, What is wrong with you, Mikael? What is wrong with you, Akram? What is wrong with you, Muhammad? Why don't you give yourself over to Allah? Why are you stressing out? So busy, so worried that you can't get up for tahajjud. You can't do your ibadah because you are so worried about these decisions. Why haven't you given it over yet? May Allah make us of those who have freedom of mind from our decisions. Amen. How so? By trusting in Allah. Trusting in Allah and asking Allah to guide us to where the khair is and not trusting on our own selves. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ولسائر المسلمين فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم